welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 76. My name's Tom Kershaw, and it's a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week is a shooter's special with a look at the new season of Apex Legends. Plus, I've finally got two Titanfall 2 in my backlog, and I've been checking out Scavengers in early access. We also had a big release in the world of Destiny 2 this week, so I'll bring in my first impressions of Season of the Splicer. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Well, I'm good this week and I'm looking forward to next week as I'm finally getting the COVID vaccine and I had that text message come through and book my appointment. So next Friday and then another one in August. So really looking forward to that. Things have also been opening up here in the UK and me and the missus had a great meal out yesterday. So it's really nice to see everything opening up and you and your family are staying nice and healthy. Well, we're gearing up for E3 in a few short weeks, so really exciting stuff. So I'm sure we're going to hear much more about the second half of 2021. And this year seems to be going really, really quickly. I don't know about you and how you're feeling, but we're almost into the season where we've got a whole slew of game announcements. So we've got Ratchet and Clank coming up on the 11th of June, followed by E3, which should be really, really exciting indeed. Ratchet and Clank, after seeing that trailer the other week, looks absolutely amazing. We've had some hands-on impressions from various out outlets over the last couple of weeks and it looks absolutely awesome really really can't wait for that one plus i put in my pre-order for that today so looking forward to the podcast in a couple of weeks time where i'll be bringing you my review i'm still holding out on some kind of zelda direct from nintendo but we're just gonna have to see what happens before we get into the show, I wanted to plug the podcast Patreon and you can send in your questions and your comments and your stories for community questions by signing up to Patreon. So for as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron where you can access exclusive Discord rooms, send in questions and comments to be read out on the This Week in Video Games podcast and you get access to exclusive content and early access too. There's plenty of benefits over on Patreon, plus you get to support the show and help This Week in Video Games become a little bit more self-sufficient. Well, that is it for the introduction, but next up, let's have a look at what I've been playing this week. So I have got into the shooter vibe over the last couple of weeks, been playing a whole bunch of Apex Legends. So Season 9 really caught my attention, given the current state of Destiny 2 PvP, which isn't good if you haven't been following, and Apex has introduced a new arenas mode, which is essentially 3v3 eliminations. That's great fun, and I'll bring you my first impressions of the season first up in the show. I've also gone back to something in my backlog which has been begging me to play it for some time, and that is Titanfall 2. So now seems like the perfect time to play given the tie-in with Season 9 in Apex Legends. So if you don't know, the game is made by the same developer as Apex Legends, and that is Respawn. So I've heard a lot about the game. I'll be bringing you my review of Titanfall 2 later on in the show. I've also been playing plenty of Destiny 2 this week as we had a new season launch with Season of the Splicer. So this is Season 14 of Destiny 2 and Bungie appear to have gotten in the groove with their storytelling. It's some of the best we've seen, plus there's a whole bunch of new loot and activities to get into. And I'll round up everything about the new season later on. And finally this week, I've been checking out Scavengers, and this is a new PvPVE survival game. So this one is a third-person shooter where the objectives is to kill the AI enemies and also human opponents too. And it's got elements of survival and battle royale thrown into the mix. So it's free to check out in early access right now if you're interested on the Epic Game Store and also Steam. So search up Scavengers and download it to start playing. I'll bring you my first impressions later on, but I definitely recommend checking that one out. 
Well, first up in the show this week, let's have a look at Apex Legends Season 9, and that's Legacy. Well, Apex Legends Season 9 Legacy is here, and it brings some of the biggest changes to Apex Legends we've seen for a long time. So fans of Titanfall, another great shooter from Respawn, will be very happy because there's loads of nods and winks to that game. And there's a bunch of changes to the Olympus map, plus we've got a new character called Valkyrie, and probably the biggest news is the introduction of a new 3v3 mode called Apex Arenas. So Season 9 kicked off on May the 4th. I have to say, I haven't really checked out Apex since Season 1, you know. The thing that caught my eye with this season was the new 3v3 Arenas mode, plus it's closer ties to Titanfall. And Apex Legends, it's always been a great shooter, and I have been looking around since Stasis was introduced into Destiny 2, and if you don't know, that is a new subclass that allows you to freeze opponents. Now, I've tested out Warzone and Apex and landed on Apex Legends, so I definitely think that one is the better of the Battle Royals out there. And having recently finished Titanfall 2's campaign and loving it, you know, it's great to see more of Titanfall coming into Apex Legends, even though they are based in the same universe. Well, let's have a look at the components of Season 9 in Apex Legends. So we've got the new game mode, first of all, and this is Apex Arenas, and that is a 3v3 game mode. So this is by far the biggest change to Apex Legends, with the introduction of a 3v3 mode, which is somewhere between Trials of Osiris and Valorant. So it takes the purchasing of equipment from Valorant and CSGO and mixes it with the 3v3 action of Trials to create a really good new competitive and sweaty game mode so players can get into the action quickly given the maps are much smaller than the regular battle royale map and the gameplay is quick and deadly so we've got five maps to start with you've got party crasher phase runner artillery thermal station and golden gardens so respawn said themselves it condenses the chaos of 20 squad battle royale matches down to focus 3v3 combat and you face off against the enemy and you'll face off against the enemy without other squads coming to crash the party allowing you to focus on surviving and winning the fight and you compete over multiple rounds striving to be the last squad standing each time so before every round starts you can use materials earned from the previous round to get and upgrade weapons as well as ordnance and healing supplies so after customizing your loadout and preparing for the round you jump straight into the action with your gear so if you're eliminated in a round your squad mates won't be able to respawn you but you're going to be ready to fight again at the start of the next round so of course you can still revive knocked out teammates and rounds are won when you kill all the players on the enemy squad then the next round begins and the cycle repeats until the overall match winner is crowned so to win an arena's match you do need to win at least three rounds and be ahead of the enemy team by two points so the easiest way is to win three rounds without dropping more than one to your opponent in other words go three nil or three one and the match is over. However, if your opponent is able to win at least two rounds, things get interesting. You have to pull ahead by full two rounds to win, so going 3-2 or 4-3 won't cut it, but instead you're going to have to go 4-2 or 5-3 to secure victory, and rounds are going to continue until one team pulls ahead by two rounds. And if this continues all the way to the ninth round by going 4-4, the game kicks into sudden death mode. Whoever wins round nine takes home all the glory. So you can easily keep track of your progress by checking the scoreboard in the top centre of the screen of the buy menu and the score widget turns blue when your team is one round away from winning and red when the enemy team is close and yellow when it's a tiebreaker. So the little pips in the centre of the widget count the number of tiebreaker rounds that have occurred and the third tiebreaker means sudden death. 
So win or lose, each round starts fresh with base equipment and some materials to use. Decide on how you want to approach the upcoming round by using your materials to get weapons, upgrade them, and pick up any additional supplies that you need. And the bar is raised every round as more materials are awarded than the previous round, giving you more options and letting you upgrade further as the match progresses. Getting a weapon gives you the base gun with no attachments and weapons can be upgraded to white, then blue, and finally purple. And upgrading a weapon equips it with all available attachments in that tier. And fully upgrading to purple will fill out the hop-up slot for weapons that have one. So select your preferred optic for each weapon and upgrading unlocks additional optics for that weapon. So weapons don't carry over from round to round. This was something that Respawn debated and ultimately they decided on the design for two reasons. One, to free up players to swap weapons between rounds. And two, to prevent matches from snowballing too hard after one or two rounds. So you've got to use your ultimate and tactical abilities wisely as, as you'll have a limited number of uses each round instead of recharging indefinitely like other modes. And legends start with some tactical charges, but additional charges and ultimate abilities can be purchased with materials when customising your loadout. So this allows more legends to be viable in arenas and forces characters with very strong tacticals, like Bloodhound for example, to make choices between weapon upgrades or more tactical charges. Unused ultimate and tactical charges will carry over into the next round. So you can have limited time to prepare, after which the round will start and matches take place in some familiar locations as well as some new ones too. So scattered around the area you'll find some supply bins with healing items and few material canisters. If a canister is collected, it will award everyone in your squad 200 bonus materials to be spent in the next round. And killing an enemy awards you 75 bonus materials and their items drop directly to the floor for quick and easy looting. So it's really, really good fun, and there has been hints of a new game mode coming to Apex Legends for some time, and now it seemed like the perfect time for Respawn to introduce it. So as a Destiny player, you know, one that's currently disgruntled with the way that PvP is in the game, it's great to see this competitive alternative. The signature gunplay there is great, plus you've got the closing circle of the Battle Royale mode. It's fast, it's sweaty, and if you can get a few buddies together and play, it's definitely going to be a whole load of fun. So 3v3 arenas isn't the only thing that's been added into the new season. We've got a new legend as well, so Valkyrie. So the trailers building up to the new season showcase Valkyrie a fair bit. So she tracked down Blisk and picked a fight with him and then accepts the invitation to join the Apex Games. So apparently when she was younger, she took Viper's Titan for a joyride and that shows she got some guts and a mischievous side too. So there was hope that the new hero in Apex Legends would actually ride a Titan, but second best to that is the feature that we've got. You know, a decent jetpack that helps make Valkyrie very, very mobile indeed. So she can't shoot while she's in the air, but she can combine her movement and agility with missiles, which is very useful when you're on the offense. So here's her full abilities. So you've got the passive VTOL jets. Tactical, it's a missile swarm. The ultimate is a skyward dive, and she is of the recon class. So Valkyrie's ultimate ability has drawn some attention with her being able to redeploy without the need of relying on the balloons around the map. And that could lead to a team advantage for anyone who's got Valkyrie on their team. So as well as Valkyrie, we've got changes to the Olympus map. So a fleet of ships have made their way to Olympus, which has manifested in an infestation on some maids. And the map has been entangled with the roots of some kind of parasitic plant. So the Icarus, a huge ship, is also docked in the city, which changes things up quite a bit. And it'll be interesting to see these changes over the season. But it's also a nice follow-up to the changes seen in Kings Canyon last season. We also have a new bow, so we've got the bow check bow. 
So the new bow is a compound bow. It's a precision marksman weapon that rewards a skilled and confident hand. So, so holding down fire will draw the bow over a short time, increasing the power of the shot. With the maximum power giving optimal damage and projectile speed, and repeatedly firing the bow check right as it reaches max power provides the best sustained damage. And the bow check uses a new ammo type, arrows, which are unique to the weapon. So arrows are more rare on the battlefield, but fired arrows will stick to the surfaces and remain in the world for players to pick up and reuse. The bow check can also be further modified with the two new hop-ups entering the game, so shatter caps and the dead-eye tempo, and it can even equip both hop-ups simultaneously. There's also some rebalancing to some characters, but you can check out the full patch notes on the Apex Legends website if you're interested in that. Well, the new 3v3 game mode is fantastic, and this update brought me back to the game, which I put down for some time. So Apex Legend is much improved compared to what I remember, although I'm still as bad at shooters as always. Well, that is it for this look at Apex Legends Season 9. I'd love to know what you think by sending me a comment or a question on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games, and let me know what you think of the new season, the new game mode, plus all the changes, and Valkyrie herself. Well, that is it for Apex Legends, but let's have a look back in time to 2016, where Respawn really started flexing their muscles in the shooter space. And next up, let's have a look at my review of Titanfall 2. So I'm going back to Titanfall 2, as I missed it the first time round in 2016. And I heard so much about the game, its original tough release, squeezed between Battlefield and Call of Duty. So since 2016 and its original release, Respawn have gone from strength to strength with Apex Legends and have started bringing in Titanfall elements in there. And I wanted to experience it firsthand and run through the campaign that I've heard so much about. So Respawn have a rich history with first-person shooters from Medal of Honor to Call of Duty Modern Warfare and then, of course, Titanfall. I'm sure everyone out there knows about Apex Legends and we have the recent move into a more standard PvP within Apex with the Arenas mode. So Titanfall 2 stands out among the rest though, given the sheer amount of innovation, ideas and a touching buddy story between the pilot and the Titan. You know, the pace of the campaign is something that strikes you with Titanfall 2. You start out in the simulator with your teacher in the blink of an eye. You're in your Titan on your own, taking down the enemy. You know, Respawn mixing action, a great story and great gameplay mechanics to take you on a short but ultimately really satisfying campaign adventure. The gunplay mechanics in the game are really, really good. You know, I often look to Bungie as the best in the business for gunplay, but Respawn is running them very close these days, so given Titanfall 2 is a few years old, you can see and feel the iteration through Apex Legends, and in Titanfall 2 you have many of the original weapons, which we can now see in Apex, plus you've got the great gameplay switch-up of jumping into the Titan and having huge mech fights. So Respawn do a great job of focusing on a single concept for levels, implementing it really well, and then dropping it and moving on quite quickly. So the basic level controls and the feel of the game are great. It has really solid foundations to build on and use these new concepts. So for example, the gunplay is top notch and the wall running feels really, really fluid. Now at its core, Titanfall 2 is a first person shooter and the interplay between the pilot and the Titan works brilliantly. You often find yourself separated from your Titan and levels can be consumed by trying to get back to him. Once you team up, then it's all out destruction and the Titan versus Titan battles are particularly fun. 
The writing in the game too is great, breathing life into the characters with skill. It could be easy to go through the game just using the Titan as a weapon. However, he's got such personality woven into him through the writing, you know, it humanizes him and makes for a much more compelling story experience. Many refer back to Titanfall 2 as having one of the best first-person shooter campaigns, and now I can see why. Yeah, first-person shooter campaigns can often feel dry, full of tropes that you've been through and seen before. Titanfall does have its fair share of these, but also has got its surprises and its heartfelt moments too, so I definitely recommend going back and checking it out. And the game has seen a resurgence recently, and I managed to play it on the Xbox Series X. It's been given an FPS boost to run at 120 frames per second. It's also available on Xbox Game Pass through their partnership with EA Play. So if you've got access to the service and a next-gen Xbox, I thoroughly recommend picking it up and playing it through. Titanfall 2 has got a great multiplayer mode too. So now, a few years after release, it's not going to see any major updates since the team has moved on to service Apex Legends and all the innovation is being directed through that pipeline. But Titanfall 2's multiplayer is really, really great fun. Hopefully, more Titanfall 2 will come into Apex Legends in the future. I know fans were hoping for mechs with the Season 9 release. However, that's not quite happened just yet, but we've got our fingers crossed for the future. There's not loads of guns in the game, certainly not like something like Destiny or Borderlands, but given the base guns and additions, there's plenty of ways to craft loadouts for your pilot. So Respawn introduced gun levelling here, meaning you can unlock perks in a nod to the original Destiny, which came out two years before in 2014. Yeah, the multiplayer is really, really good, but I would come along for the single-player campaign experience. First-person shooters have changed a lot since 2014. We've had the emergence of Battle Royale games, an arena which Respawn has been very strong and also went in there early, not long after Player and then Battlegrounds, and also Fortnite came onto the scene in 2018. Apex Legends was soon after in 2019 and since then gone on from strength to strength. You know, EA has got a money making machine in the form of Apex Legends and it recently launched that Apex Arenas mode, which is most likely going to become the default place for PvP play. Yeah, if you're into PvP, I'd definitely check out their new mode in Apex. But if you like story campaigns, then Titanfall 2 is second to none in the first-person shooter space. So if you like me and heard much about Titanfall 2 but hadn't dipped in, then do yourself a favour, download it and play through the campaign at least. You know, it's often on sale on Steam, so it's one of the best FPS campaigns out there. You can trace the routes from Titanfall to Apex Legends. So if you like Apex Legends, I reckon go back and play Titanfall 2. It's really, really good fun. Plus, you get to know more about the world respawner crafting, and for me, it all adds up to a richer gameplay experience. So the game was developed by Respawn, it's published by EA, it's available on Xbox, PC, PS4, and I reviewed it on Xbox Series X. Well that is my review of Titanfall 2, but if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games content, check out Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games for benefits like joining in the community discussions on podcasts, early access and exclusive content, content voting, and also YouTube and podcast shoutouts. There's also a merch store which includes t-shirts, hoodies, and all kinds of other This Week in Video Games stuff. So watching the videos and interacting down there in the comments is more than enough, but if you want to support This Week in Video Games further, you can do through Patreon and Teespring. Check out the links down below for more information. Well, that is it for my Patreon plug, but next up, let's have a look at my first impressions of Scavengers. Well, Scavengers is a new PvEVP third-person shooter survival game with elements of Battle Royale thrown into the mix. And it's the latest effort from Midwinter Entertainment and has plenty of fun elements in a rather crowded genre. 
So you start out on a frozen wasteland, which is a kind of future vision of Earth with two teammates, either from your friend list or two others from matchmaking. And the objective of the game is to capture more data points than the other team and then finally get off the planet via a ship to win the match. The concept is pretty simple, you know, given its roots in the survival genre. You start out with nothing, and as you progress, you explore the game, much like a battle royale, the idea is to collect weapons and resources. So everything you collect is supposed to help to keep you alive. For example, weapons to kill the other team, and also food to keep you strong. Stamina declines over the course of a match, for example, you know, if you run a lot. However, stamina can be replaced by eating food. So other items help you against the elements, but they don't always last long, and the game just makes you feel cold just by looking at the snow and ice. So on the map, there's a bunch of objectives, and with each risk comes a reward in terms of better loot or more resources to help keep you alive. Now, one of these risks includes the Scourge, so these are monsters that hunt the remains of humans on Earth, and there's also Outlanders, and these are the remains of human life on Earth who unfortunately have turned to cannibalism. There's also the occasional world boss lurking about the place looking to kill you, and other objectives include tactical stashes that contain ammo, food, and also health packs. There's a bunch of objective sites that offer you the ability to drop off your data points, so plenty to think about as you head out into the frozen waste. Well, the battle royale elements come into play with shrinking circles over time. However, the circle doesn't crunch you all into a zone that's too small, so it's not like classic battle royales like Apex or Warzone. And that's the thing to note here, Scavengers does feel really, really big, and there could be a couple of elements working together here. You know, it could be the map itself, it's really big, or it could be because it's slightly reduced number of players, so Scavengers only has 60 players at the moment, and making it feel a little bit sparse, as you don't come across other human players too often in matches. Now, given you've got the PvE element too, it isn't always too much trouble, but the exciting moments come when you're fighting PvP players. So each scavenger has a different signature weapon, like a hand cannon, a shotgun, or a sniper rifle. So one of the sub-objectives of the match is to get in there and grab enough materials as quickly as possible to then craft the signature weapon, and ideally waste all the opponents that get in your way. So this appears to take up much of the early game activities, for example team members getting their signature weapon early, and then focus switches onto gathering the data points. So one major thing to be aware of during the prep phase is the roaming storms, and that can be a major issue with how warm you are. So Scavengers has a dynamic weather system, and you can see this off in the distance when you're running around the map. So these storms are also represented on the map by a big white circle, and the storms get blown around by the wind, and it's best to avoid them at all costs. First of all, they're going to cause a whole bunch of noise, so you don't really know what's going on around you, and, and then they obscure your visibility and drain you of all your warmth. And if you do get caught up in one, then you have to head to Shelter ASAP. So talking about warmth, this is a major factor you have to keep in mind. So Scavengers is a game that makes you feel cold just by playing it. And managing warmth is an important aspect of the game, so it means standing next to a fire if you need to. And if your temperature meter falls too low, then the whole thing is going to freeze over, eventually leading to your health depleting and you dying. Well, Scavengers is a PvEVP game, and mostly you are going to be coming up against PvE enemies. Other human players are there too, though they can feel a little bit sparse and rare. It's likely because the developers want the interactions with other human players to mean something rather than the standard PvP or the Battle Royale experience. Yeah, the map feels really big and finding other human players can be challenging, but it does make it more exciting when you do finally find another team. So one of the best things about Scavengers is at the end of the match when you have to try and escape. So the drop pod lands on the map and it's your job to be on it when it leaves. Players are notified about the drop pod, meaning all teams are going to have to head in that direction, meaning if you haven't met human players before, 
Well, you will now, because it's a battle to the death to make sure you're on that dropship when it takes off to safety. It offers a new angle on the PvP genre, as it is slightly different from Battle Royale where you have to be the last team standing. Here, you have to be the last team with the most data points on the escape pod. So Scavengers has been released in early access, is available on PC via Steam and the Epic Game Store, so if you're interested then I recommend jumping in and it's free. So it is a game that feels like it's in early access, as it doesn't have the polish of other games that have been tried and tested, but if you're a fan of Battle Royales, Survival and PvP, I would definitely recommend giving it a go. Well that is it for my first impressions of Scavengers, but next up let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So at number 10 this week, holding steady, it's Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And at number 9, another one holding steady, it's Ring Fit Adventure. Staying there at number 8, it's Grand Theft Auto 5. And at number 7, down 4 places from last week's number 3, is Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. At number 6 this week, up 1 place from last week's number 7, it's Minecraft. And holding steady at number 5, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. Holding there at number 4, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And number three this week, up three places from last week's number six, is FIFA 21. And number two this week, down from last week's number one, is new Pokemon Snap. And new in at number one is Resident Evil Village. Well, congrats to the team at Resident Evil Village. It seems like so. It seems like everyone has been really enjoying that one, with some listing it as their best Resident Evil ever. I'll be giving Resident Evil a miss. I'm not really too into my scary games, but if you're into it. I definitely recommend picking it up, and it looks like a lot of other people have, according to the charts. Well, that is it for the charts this week, but next up, Destiny had a big release this week with Season 14 and Season of the Splicer, so let's jump into my first impressions of the latest season of Destiny 2. Well, Bungie released Season of the Splicer this week, and it follows on from a very successful Season of the Chosen, which had widespread praise from the Destiny community. So Season of the Splicer is the next step on the journey to the next major expansion, Witch Queen, currently expected in early 2022. So today, I'm going to go over my first impressions, plus some good things so far, and improvements I'd like to see in the future. Well, let's start out with the story aspect of the season, and we are finding out much more about the Fallen. So the season kicks off with the Vex blocking out the sun somehow through a simulation, meaning the last city is in perpetual twilight. So Ikora's back and tells us to meet Mithrax, a fallen splicer, on Europa to try and find out more about their mastery of machines. So after meeting Mithrax and running through the Vex network for the first time, Ikora offers Mithrax and his group of Elixni under the banner of House Light, safety on the outskirts of the last city. And Mithrax questions whether Ikora has the authority to do this, but gladly accepts the offer all the same. Not everyone is happy with the Elixni turning up at the last city, so Lakshmi too, leader of the future war cult, tells you she's seen visions of the fallen, recently arrived standing in the ruins of the last city with smoke billowing. So future war cult's visions have been dismissed before in the build-up to the Red War, and Lakshmi too is determined for the last city not to make the same mistake again. For the first time we've got Fallen in the Last City and it's clear that there's a fracture in the Last City and hints and indications that trouble is brewing, stoked by the future war call. 
You know, one great thing that Bungie has done this season is giving personality and depth to the Fallen, primarily through in-game mechanics, but also through lore cards and weapons and armor too, as they always have done. So over the past few weeks, the storytelling is much more apparent in the game, with cutscenes that go on for many minutes, acted out with the characters in the game right there in front of you. For example, we've got Mithrax coming to the edge of the city and having a conversation with Osiris and Lakshmi too, and it's previously something that would only appear on a lore card or a blog post, and it's a welcome addition to see these in the game. So the animated shorts are another good way to flesh out the story and probably more cost-effective for Bungie, removing the need for 3D modelling. And I'm really enjoying this step forward in the narrative delivery so far, and I look forward to more as the season progresses. And it appears that Zavala, Crow and Lord Saladin have taken a back seat in the story this season as we're focusing more on Ikora, Osiris and Elixni and also the Vex too. So it's another strong step in the narrative direction as we move towards the Witch Queen in early 2022. Well, next up, we want to have a look at the helm. So the helm has seen a significant upgrade with a new lower floor section added. So the upper floor of the helm still exists as asked to support the battlegrounds, given the season activities are sticking around until the next big DLC expansion. On the lower floor, we've got a splicer servitor, which acts as a new war table or something to upgrade. And here we can buy the new elemental well mods as well as get various upgrades for the seasonal activity. We've also got a terminal where we communicate with Lakshmi too. Well, let's have a look at the new seasonal activity. So we've got a new six-person activity for the season called Override, which is pretty good so far. And it's slightly different to Battlegrounds. So in that, we were killing and then moving on to a new phase, and then finally a boss. So there's a few more light mechanics here in Override, including a Vex Oracle puzzle and climbing the spire before we jump into the Vex network. And the whole second phase of the activity is about platforming through the Vex network, trying to reach the boss. And the design of this phase of the encounter is really, really great. It's kind of a synthwave style design aesthetic. The activity doesn't feel quite as dense as Battlegrounds, you know, as they were a little bit more open. It feels a little bit more cramped, and it could be because we've got six players in there, you know. It's certainly not more difficult either, but the loot is pretty rewarding. And once again, we've got to find some materials in the core playlists like Strikes, Crucible, and Gambit, and this season it's Ether. Then we spend that Ether on the loot chest at the end of the activity. It's entertaining now in the first few weeks of the season, but I'm unsure whether it's going to sustain throughout the whole season. You know, However, I'm not going to pass judgment until we've seen the other two on the moon and also the Tangled Shore 2. Well, next up, we've got the weekly mission. So we haven't got the weekly pinnacle mission just yet. These look scheduled to start on May the 25th at reset time. So it could be something that happens in the Vault of Glass, given that timing, as normally the weekly pinnacle missions start at the beginning of the season. It's likely to be drip-fed story content, much as we saw with the tree in Season of Arrivals, or in the Glycon with the Presage quest. I doubt we're going to get something as in-depth as a Presage mission. That was a work of art, and one of the jewels in the crown of the Beyond Light update. Well, next up, let's have a look at the loot. So once again, the loot is pretty good this season. So Bungie has added 45 new and reprised weapons, including the new override weapons. And some of the highlights include Chroma Rush, the Auto Rifle Ignition Code, Grenade Launcher and Grid Skipper, the Pulse Rifle. We've also got a load of new playlist weapons to chase, a new Trials SMG and two new Iron Banner weapons are coming soon. Actually, they're coming on Tuesday. So if you're into Iron Banner and PvP in Destiny 2, Definitely jump in for that one. There's plenty of new exotics in there with the Cryosthesia 77k, a new exotic sidearm that freezes enemies, much to the grimace of all the PvP community. We've got the Vex Mythoclast returning as part of Vault Glass and the exotic fusion rifle. 
So that exotic fusion rifle was one of the most memorable weapons from Destiny 1. So the new weapons, they're really, really good. We've also got returning weapons too. So Hung Jury, Fatebringer, Fusioner Confluence, just to name a few. And we've got three new exotic armor pieces available from Lost Sectors. Plus there's all new perks. And it's a big step in the right direction. You know, Bungie got rid of sunsetting. And now the weapons are going to be viable until they get nerfed. So when Beyond Light launched, there simply wasn't enough. Now we're getting back to somewhere where we were. And together with Season of the Chosen, you know, we've got loads of good weapons to choose from now. And we haven't got our hands on the raid weapons yet. And I really look forward to jumping back in to the Vault of Glass and, get, and getting as many of those as possible. So all in all, it's a real big thumbs up from me regarding the loot this season and building on the momentum of the last. Well next up we do have a slight negative point so it is the armor synthesis probably one of the biggest negatives of the season so far so once you've got the materials from the transmog mode it's all good and we also get some for free however the grind for armor synthesis materials is quite shocking and you've got the paid for alternative in the eververse store and that to be honest, just feels a little bit off. You know, I understand Bungie has to make money, but it doesn't really feel like a transmog system for me. It's one of the biggest negative points of the season so far, in an otherwise, so far, positive first impression. Next we've got Vault Glass, so one of the best raids in Destiny's history is coming back to Destiny 2, and last time we saw this was in 2016 at the back end of Destiny 1. Now it's going to be interesting to see what Bungie does with it, hopefully not too much, and it's going to come back as it was. Now I imagine we're going to get champions and some changes, but hopefully it'll be really similar to that first raid that we saw in 2014. You know, I still remember killing the Templar for the first time, heading through that tiny hole down into the Gorgon Maze. It was absolutely incredible, and I'm looking forward to the returning even though we don't have quite everything coming even though we don't have everything coming back you know i really hope bungie pulls it off and people aren't disappointed destiny's changed loads since 2014 expectation and expectations and hype levels are pretty high and we have to wait and see what happens when the rage is released just under a week from today well, next up, we've got PvP. So PvP hasn't seen any love this season. In fact, you could argue it's in the complete opposite. So Stasis has somehow been buffed this season with new aspect and fragments. It seems crazy given the series of nerfs it's been given over the last few weeks and months. So Bungie seems to be nerfing and balancing slowly, but Stasis is once again out of control, making the PvP experience pretty rough for those who used to enjoy the PvP playlist. You know, the hashtag NerfStasis was trending on Thursday, and so far Bungie is keeping fairly quiet about it. You know, it's an interesting time for Destiny PvP. We haven't seen any new maps for a long time. You know, we lost maps in Beyond Light with that vaulting process. But Looking at the positives for the season, we've got plenty of Iron Banner, you know, some new weapons in there, and Team Scorched and Momentum Control are coming back into the weekly rotation. Plus, we've got a new Trials SMG, which is really, really good. And I've got a guide for that up there on the This Week in Video Games YouTube channel. So I would really like to see Crucible Labs introduced again and then see some rapid testing and feedback from the audience. You know, at this point, so many players have packed up and left. We've also got Apex Legends and their new Arenas mode, which I have talked about on the podcast, which has been described as a good version of Trials. And as a Destiny fan, you know, that makes me feel kind of sad. Well, that's it for PvP. I did want to have a quick look at the seasonal model. It's probably a good time to reflect on the seasonal model itself and where we are with it. You know, I'm enjoying the new emphasis on the story and the way Bungie is delivering the lore via characters and cutscenes. But that being said, you know, this is being done better than ever. I'm also enjoying the six-person model, and over the last two seasons, the loot and the activity, they've been just great. Although good, 
this season does feel pretty much like a carbon copy of the last season. So the core playlist activities like Strikes, Crucible and Gambit, they're in desperate need of a refresh. You know, PvP itself needs a lot of love and it feels like Destiny 2 is now moving just to focus on PvE activities. You know, whether this is related to the PvP game that Bungie is developing or not, PvP in Destiny 2 is just simply stale. You know, there's only so much that new loot can do. So if the player base would rather jump off an edge of a map rather than play the supposed best game mode at the weekends to get that new loot, then really, you know, that sends a message that's pretty strong. Now, Eververse is another negative point. So there's so many good cosmetics in Eververse now, which could be chaseable as in-game rewards. You know, yes, there's plenty more bright dust in the game, and we can buy things using that. However, Eververse and its items are much more of an issue than they ever have been before. There's also talk of Vital Glass stuff going in there too later in the season, when they promised not to do this a few seasons ago, with the Iron Banner emote complaints. Well, let me know what you think of Season of the Splicer down there in the comments. And that is it for my first impressions of Season of the Splicer in Destiny 2. And I would love to hear what you think down there in the comments or by hitting me up on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. And I'll read your comments out on next week's podcast. Well, that is it for Season of the Splicer. Next up, let's look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So on May the 18th, we've got Days Gone, that one's coming to PC. We've also got SnowRunner, that's coming out on Nintendo Switch. On the 19th, we've got a few games, we've got Aerial Knights Never Yield, that's PS5, Xbox Series S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. And Elite Dangerous Odyssey, that is also coming to PC. On the 20th, we've got The Wild at Heart, that's Xbox Series S and X, Xbox One and PC. Then on the 21st, we've got Knockout City, coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Also on the 21st, we've got Metopia, that's coming out on Nintendo Switch. And we've also got Rust, coming to the PS4 and Xbox One. On the 25th of May, we've got Biomutant, that's coming to PS4, Xbox One and PC. And we've got King of Seas, coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Maneater, coming to Switch on the 25th. And also Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD, Remaster coming to PS4, Switch and PC. On the 27th, we've got Earth Defense Force World Brothers coming to PS4, Switch and PC. And we've got the Oddworld Collection coming to Nintendo Switch on May the 27th. Also on the 27th, we've got the Idol Master, that's Starlit Season, coming to PS4 and PC. And on the 28th, we've got Wonderboy, Asher and the Monster World coming to PS4, Switch and PC. And finally, we've got World's End Club that is coming to Nintendo Switch. Well, that is it for this week's episode, and if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games, or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. And as always, thank you so much for watching or listening. Now, for more This Week in Video Games content like this, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description, and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Thanks again. I'll see you in the next one.